Do you desire God? Really? Dr. Mark Job. When we desire God desperately, with passion, with intensity, with burning fire, uh, those are the individuals that experience the fullness of God. The fullness of God. If that is something that's on your radar, something that you're pursuing, today's Moody Presents is just for you. Hi, welcome to the half-hour Bible teaching program featuring the ministry of Moody Bible Institute's president, Dr. Mark Job. I'm John Geiger, glad to have you along for our continuing Countdown to Founders Week series. This has been a great look back at some of the messages that uh, Dr. Mark Job has presented in the past at Founders Week. You know, he's been a friend of Moody for a long time, a graduate, of course, and, and we had him at Founders Week before he was president. This message we're going to bring you today is titled, Holy Hunger for a Holy God. And that's what we're drawing from, his look at Exodus, the life of Moses. Before we get there, let me remind you that Founders Week for this year, 2022, is coming. February 1st through the 4th, you'll enjoy speakers like David Jeremiah, James Meeks, and of course, Mark Job, so many more. And all of this is available at foundersweek.org. Click the link there for ways to listen, and you can stream all of our sessions, find out about speakers, musicians. Did we mention there's a concert by Natalie Grant? Uh, So much more at foundersweek.org. Again, it all begins February the 1st. February 1 through 4, that's Founders Week 2022. Well, again, before becoming president of Moody Bible Institute, Dr. Mark Job was on our campus many times, including at Founders Week. Today's message is titled, Holy Hunger for a Holy God. Let's turn things over to our teacher now, Mark Job on Moody Presents. I've only pastored one church in 23 years. Only one. It's called New Life Community Church. I'm a little biased, but I believe they're some of the greatest people in the world. I'm really proud to be their pastor. Anybody here? Yeah. And I'm also grateful to this institute because it was here that I met my my wife. While I was studying here as a student here, I met my wife, Dee, and we've been married for 23 years. Yeah. It was in the Moody parking lot I gave her her first kiss. It wasn't, that all, it wasn't all that exciting. It was all teeth that I kissed because she was smiling and it was a surprise. <laughs> it must have made an impression because we're still married 23 years later, huh? How about it? Holy hunger. Holy hunger. It said that the great philosopher and orator of Greek descent made Socrates, had a young man approach him one day, and this young man said, can I be one of your disciples? I want to know knowledge. I want to increase in my knowledge. Socrates, who by this time was a wise old sage, took one look at the young man and said, follow me. The young man followed him into the waters of a nearby river. Socrates took the young man's head and he submerged it underwater for about 15 seconds. And when the young man came out of the water dripping wet, Socrates said, what do you want? And the young man said, knowledge, wise man. I want knowledge. 
Socrates took this young man and put his head under, this time, a little bit longer, 30 seconds, like some of your baptisms. When the young man came out, he gasping for air. Socrates said, what do you want, young man? He said, knowledge. I, I want knowledge. This time, a third time, he dunked him down under the water. He kept him down to the audience what seemed like forever. His hands began to fling. People in the audience began to gasp as they thought he was about to drown him. When the young man came out of the water, Socrates said, what do you want? The young man was saying, air. I want air. Give me air. And Socrates says, when you want knowledge the way you want air, then you will have it. You see, I believe that our spiritual hunger is that way as well. When we desire God desperately, with passion, with intensity, with burning fire, uh, those are the individuals that experience the fullness of God. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 33. One of the most intense encounters in Scripture that I know of is related in these verses. There are two reasons I've chosen to speak out of Exodus chapter 3 and holy hunger. One of the reasons is that our church just recently ended a 21-day season of fasting and prayer. I've been thinking a lot about hunger. Uh, fasting has a way of, oh, it has a way of causing you to realize how much you depend on food. You dream about burgers when you're supposed to be thinking about God. One woman said she woke up chewing on her pillow. And during the 21 days, an amazing time, so many testimonies of breakthrough and what God was doing as we fasted and prayed at the beginning of this year and the beginning of this decade. But I've been thinking a lot about hunger and spiritual hunger. And throughout the entire fast, we were challenged to turn our hunger for food into a hunger for God and seek to desire God the way that our bodies were longing for food. I also chose to speak out of Exodus chapter 33 because there's something deeply disconcerting about some of the Christianity that we're experiencing in this nation. It's hard to pinpoint, it's hard to get the pulse of it, but I've traveled to China and I've seen something different. I've been to South America and I've experienced something different. I've been to Africa and I've seen some things that when I come back, I scratch my head and I wonder, well, what is it, Lord, that seems to be missing? What is it, God, that seems to be lacking somewhat in the pop culture of Christianity that many of us are submerged in and experience? And if I were to put my finger on it, I think it would have to do with hunger, holy hunger. It troubles me. 
We are living in some of the days of the greatest harvest that this world has ever known. There are more people coming to Jesus Christ during these years and this last decade than centuries before us. There's an explosion of evangelism, church planting, people coming to Christ in droves and masses, opening spiritual hunger. But yet for some reason it seems to have bypassed this country of ours. This country that for centuries was the nation that sent the missionaries and educated the pastors and is known for great institutions like this one here, has a reputation of being a quote-unquote Christian nation, yet something seems to be lacking. Something seems to have left us. Holy hunger. As I look at the story of Moses... Exodus chapter 33, verses beginning in verse 12. I'll give you a little bit of the background because Moses had just come down from spending some time in the holy mountain of God. An incredible story, really. One in which this man walked with God and talked with God in a way that few have. He was on this holy mountain in which he received both instruction from God and he received the tablets that we so fondly call the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know the story. When he came down from the mountain, it had only been 40 days that he had been gone, but when he came down, he heard the loud sound of partying. Israel gone wild. <laughs> not wild for God. Not This was no Pentecostal church meeting. This was an all-out pagan party. They had shortly, quickly decided that they needed another God and they needed the immediate gratification of something that they could see and feel and know. And so they reverted back to their pagan practices. They borrowed from their pagan culture and they celebrated in, in, in a, a party orgy kind of way that sat in the heart of God that shocked Moses. And when he came down from this holy experience and he saw the people in this massive uh, religious party... He was frustrated, God was angry, and the people were carnal. So we step into the story at this moment. God takes Moses aside and he says, Moses, I've had it with these people. I've just had it. Because I'm a God that honors covenant and keeps his promise, I'm going to take you into the promised land. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to defeat your enemies, take you into the promised land. But hear me well, Moses, I will not go with you. In fact, if I go with you, I might end up destroying you. Uh, verse 12, we jump into this setting and begin to hear the heart of a man who hungers after God. And today I want you to look at the effects of holy hunger in the life of Moses and what it would look like or could look like in our lives. 
you know, I love the optimism expressed in Mark Job's handoff there, what that hunger could look like, what it might look like in your life, in my life. Part one of Holy Hunger for a Holy God. Today's message here on Moody Presents with our teacher, Dr. Mark Job, who is speaking at Founders Week, along with some other great, great Bible teachers, David Jeremiah, James Meeks, many, many more. And also, there's a great slate of artists lined up, including Walter Owens. Natalie Grant will be doing a concert. We're hearing from our own Moody Chorale and the Worship Collectives. Lots of ways to watch and listen, and we'll tell you about all of them when you head over to foundersweek.org and click on the Ways to Watch and Listen. That's foundersweek.org. Here again is Pastor Mark Job. Verse 12 says, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this is your people. If you're taking notes this evening, I want you to write this down. I believe that the first effect of holy hunger in our life, what it does is holy hunger sparks a desire for the knowledge of God's ways, an understanding of His heart, an experience of His favor. You see, in essence, what God was saying, God was giving him a pretty good deal. In fact, it's my belief that most of us would have taken the deal that God was offering. After all, here's what God was saying. He was saying, Moses, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to make you successful. I'm going to give you the land that you asked for. And I'm going to wipe out your enemies. I'm going to give you what you dreamed about. And I'm going to beat your competition at it. How about it, Moses? You want to take the deal? Most of us in contemporary American Christianity, we would have jumped at the deal. We would have said success, prosperity, getting ahead. Hey, God, sure, great deal, I'll take it. But you see, there was something left out of the deal, something that God deliberately ignored in this whole deal. He said, I will give you the dream and I will give you success, but I'm not going to give you my presence. I love what Moses' response was because Moses immediately caught on to this. I call these deals lower shelf deals. Uh, we get the blessing. We get the answer to prayer. We get the touch of God. But it was missing something vital, something important, something that only holy hunger tells you is missing. It was missing the presence of God. I have a sense that God is seeking to raise in this generation. And those of you that are studying at this institute, I want you to hear me well because this is a word for you. And every time I come and speak at events like this or conferences or I ask, oh God, I don't want to just teach truth. Truth is important. All truth is of you. But oh God, give me a prophetic word, an edge to what I'm speaking, not just truth, but something that 
will rattle in the hearts of those that need to hear it, something that's for this generation, something that'll ignite the heart of those that are wanting to be fueled by holy passion and fire, something that will get a grip of your soul and you cannot release it because it's the grip of God tightening down on your spirit, something that you know is of God and not of man. That's my prayer. Holy hunger. Now I ask myself, how is holy hunger awakened? I love what John Piper says. He says, do you have hunger for God? If we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world that our soul is stuffed with small things. There is no room for the great. We are hungry not because we have not tasted, but because we have. You see, I believe that an appetite for God is an acquired appetite. I believe that we hunger and thirst after God. We hunger and thirst after God because we've begun to stir the appetite within our soul for God. You see, there's something interesting that happens when you're fasting. And uh, about uh, 10 years ago, the Lord spoke strongly to uh, our pastoral team and leadership team about the importance of reintroducing and recapturing a long forgotten and often neglected discipline of the church, which is the habit of fasting and prayer. You don't hear a lot about it. It's not a very popular practice, but I believe yet it's one that speaks deeply to our soul. And what I discovered in the, the very first lengthy fast that I did, which was 40 days long, I, I, I discovered that after the first 10 days of a fast, if your body has not eaten solid food, that your digestive system, in essence, shuts down. Uh, some people in their first day of a fast say, I'm hungry. I'm having hunger pains. And I, and I say, no, you're not having hunger pains. That's just the acid in your stomach that's used to eating at a certain time, craving the food that it wants at that time. Many people that first start out fasting say, I, I think I'm starving. And I usually look at them and say, you know, you have enough fat to last probably for quite a while. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. You're not going to die. Trust me. But what happens after about 10 days is your digestive system shuts down and something interesting happens. You start losing the edge of hunger. Your body gets tired. Uh, you become weary at times. You, you, you begin to lose weight and you begin to feel like you lack energy at times. But that intense hunger starts to subside within your system because your body is getting used to not having food. Your digestive system has shut down. And the interesting thing that happens, if you happen to chew some gum, or as like one lady told me, she went to have communion and ate a cracker. Some wanted to like go for seconds and thirds of communion during the fast. But even just a little cracker, just a little cracker will begin to turn on your digestive system again. 
and your body begins to digest food and then suddenly you have hunger like you didn't have before because your, your body is, the appetite has awakened. I believe spiritually this is what happens with God. Oftentimes, we have very little hunger for God, very little thirst and intensity for God, in part because our spiritual digestive systems have shut down. They're so used to junk food, we feel spiritually bloated, even though we may be experiencing malnutrition. I heard a report on television not too long ago about a man that they could not get out of his house because he was uh, so obese and so heavy that they had to literally break the door down and bring in a special lift to be able to get him out of the house. And what caught my attention was that the doctor, after examining this man, said he is obese, but he is suffering from malnutrition. And I thought to myself, well, how can that be? How can someone that weighs 800 pounds be experiencing malnutrition? Look it up. There's a link between malnutrition and obesity, and sometimes your body is not getting what it needs even though you're eating because you can stuff yourself on popcorn and junk food and Doritos and all kinds of stuff that has zero nutritional value and you can get big and you can get heavy and you can look like you're well fed, but in reality, you are seriously malnourished. I look at times around and I'm wondering, are we experiencing obesity in our Christianity and malnutrition at the same time? Is our country experiencing a a gluttony of religious music and books and broadcast and you can Google any type of message that you want and you can turn on uh, radio stations and you can buy books and you can go into secular bookstores like Barnes and Noble or Walmart or places like that and you can pick up spiritual books. It's more available than it's ever been to us before. But yet something, something, oh, something in my spirit just seems like something's wrong. Oh yeah, we have a lot of food, and it's there, it's available, and some of it's really good food, but there seems to be a malnutrition about the general state of our Christianity. Somewhat of an apathy towards real hunger for God. A lack of spiritual appetite. Now I look at Moses and I said, I, I wonder what made him so hungry. Why did he say, God, I don't want just the land, and I don't want just the prosperity. I want your presence. What made him hunger? What made him desire God? I believe what made him hunger and desire God is that Moses, he had spent some time with God. He had a spiritual appetite that had been cultivated. You see, we read that he had been at the tent of meeting. You can read it in the earlier part of chapter 33. That Moses had created a tent of meeting. You know what the tent of meeting was? It was a place where Moses went just to hang out with God. He was listening to God, hearing God, meeting with God. 
It says the people would rise and watch as Moses would enter in the tent of meeting and the cloud would come and then it would lift and he would come out and, and, and Moses was in this regular practice of meeting with God. And so when God offered a lower shelf deal, I will bless you, but my presence won't go there. Moses, holy hunger kicked in and he said, no, you see, I've tasted the goodness of God. I've sipped of his glory. I've experienced his presence. And success and blessing, oh, that's good. Well, that's nice. But nothing compared with the presence and the beauty of his majesty and the glory of his person. There's nothing. It pales in comparison with who God really is. My heart and my soul hunger for the living God. And it's only when our appetite has been spoiled by cheap substitutes that we lose our appetite for the real thing. The earth groans for the day of his appearing. We've been enjoying part one of a message that Pastor Mark Job originally presented at a Founders Week conference some years ago. And if you're new to the idea, Founders Week is kind of what it says it is, a week to commemorate our founder, Dwight Moody. And to celebrate, we bring in Bible teachers from across the country, learning, growing together, worshiping together. And you can be a part of it, by the way, as you listen online or watch online. Complete information is available at foundersweek.org. You'll find a link there at our website, moodypresents.org. Maybe as you listen to Pastor Mark's teaching, you've sensed that there is a holiness in your heart for God, but you've never really made Jesus Christ the leader of your life, the forgiver of your sins. Well, today's the day to do that. A friend can help you pray right now and receive Jesus. You don't get a perfect life right now, but you do get Jesus as your rescuer, Jesus guiding your life, leading your life, helping you leave all the the sinful lifestyle, the me monster lifestyle that we've all fallen into. And that begins with a phone call to 888-NEED-HIM. Let somebody talk with you, pray with you now. 888-NEED-HIM. I'm John Geiger thanking you for listening to Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.